Luke 22 and verse 31, Jesus speaking to that future preacher of Acts chapter 2 said this, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Title for the message this morning is Too Long for a CD. Separated, stepped on, and trampled into success. Separated, stepped on, and trampled into success. Father, I thank you for the help you've already brought through the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. I thank you for willing hearts to hear. I thank you for active hands to respond, feet. God, that will act on what you bring us this morning. God, we don't want to be hearers of the word only. But God, allow us to hear your word today, but then to act on it. God, to be propelled into a greater purpose than our simple daily activities. God, to be compelled into the great commission, I pray. God, use people in this room to accomplish a great purpose. God, someone this morning is standing right at that threshold right now, preparing to step into your plan. God, whatever the holdback is, whatever the distraction is, God, whatever would separate them from your purpose, I pray that that would just fall by the wayside in the next few moments and your word would speak directly into their lives and they would step into the plan that you have prepared for them. We ask this in your precious and in your powerful name. Someone say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated this morning. From the origin of time, God has been a refiner and a definer of the good and the bad, the worse and the better. As a matter of fact, Malachi chapter 3 tells us that he will sit as a refiner. God will. And if you just open the book of the Bible to the very first book, first verse, first chapter, you'll find this process begin of God beginning to choose, to pick, to identify, and to refine. It said that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters." From the conglomerate of confusion, the creator brings a distinction. He brings a division. Not just from the elements, darkness from light, but there's a definition that God brings. Verse 3 goes on to say this, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good. God brings a definition in that moment. He, he looks at all the confusion and he begins to define because God has the ability to declare what's good and what's evil. God has the ability to declare, to declare what's right and wrong. He's God. We just sang about it. He's on the throne. There isn't any other throne beside him. There isn't any other God beside him. And what God declares to be, it is. Period. I guess that's the right that God has being God and all. 
So out of this mess, God begins to bring a purpose and God begins to bring a plan. God said that he saw the light, that it was good. So God did this, did something in that moment. It, it would appear to me if I read scripture up into this place that, that light and darkness dwelt together. It said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. But it wasn't until God saw that it was good that God brought about a division. It said, and God, read with me, that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. Up until that point, I don't know how it happened because we've never known anything but light apart from darkness. As a matter of fact, we know that darkness can't dwell with light. But up until that point, for whatever reason, whatever it looked like, I, I don't know what darkness and light dwelling together looked like, but God, until that point, it was together. But God saw that light was good, and he said, I'm going to separate light from darkness. I've got a purpose for light. I've got a definition for light. I've got a future for light. I, I've got something I see good in light. So I'm not going to allow it to, to be connected to darkness. I'm going to divide it. I'm going to separate it. I'm going to pull something between the two. And, and so from that moment on, the Bible says that God divided. Somebody say divided. The light from the darkness. And out of that moment, there is a change that occurs. He looked at darkness and light all intertwined and connected and intersected and enveloped together. And he says, uh-uh, I'm going to bring a division between these two elements. I'm going to separate them. I'm not going to let them live together. I'm not going to allow them to abide together. I'm not going to allow them to walk together. And, and someone say, well, you're trying to get an awful lot out of verse chap uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, Pastor Jack. No, I, I, no I'm just, just trying to build a little framework for your faith for a moment. Because God, God's very intentional. There isn't a single word in Scripture that he doesn't place where it is when he did without a purpose. So the word is trying to teach us something. And from the very beginning, God said, I'm going to bring a division. I'm going to bring a separation. I'm not going to allow those things to abide together. God divided the light from darkness. In other words, initially, it was all together. But the refiner says, I'm going to allow this to become better. And in order for it to become better, he had to separate it. You may be like me and we just pass over this verse because it's day one, first few minutes of the new Bible reading program, a new version on January 1. But notice with me, those first four days of creation are marked by God doing a work of refining. God is in the process of dividing. He's separating. He's declaring. Verse one, chapter 1, verse 3, light and darkness is separated. Chapter 1, verse 6, heaven and earth is divided. Chapter 1, verse 9, land and sea are divided. Chapter 1, verse 18, the sun, you're going to rule the day. Moon, you and the stars are going to rule the night. And the first four days in the in the days of creation, God not only does a work of creation, but he does a, a definition. He does a division. He begins to declare, this is where this goes, and this is where this goes, and this is good, and this is not good. That's the right he has. He's God. 
So from the very beginning, he, he works to declare the lesser from the greater, the light from the dark, the good from the evil. He reveals the right from the wrong. He asserts the rule to declare the holy from the unholy. God is a refiner. And God's not limited to the refining of elements in creation. But God has a plan and a purpose to refine us. You see, I, we need to, to remind ourselves and build a framework for faith this morning because the world steadily moves away from the word. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the definitions that God made declaration of, the world is actively engaged in redefining. The world is actively engaged in, in saying, well, that's not what this means, and, and we don't want to call it that, and we're going to call it this, and, and you get to redefine yourself however you choose to. I'm talking about some major definitions that God aligned as, as, and declared as purposeful and planned, part of his plan. All of a sudden, the world wants to blur all the lines, and they want to take away all the division. Can I just remind us today that God is still a God of division? God still has a distinct separation. God still has a plan, and it does not matter what the world chooses to define something as. There still is a God that willing, that's willing to refine, and in his refinement, he makes a fine Division. Isaiah knew it was going to happen. Timothy did. Paul did too to Timothy. Isaiah 5.20. He said, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah said it's going to happen. They're going to try and redefine the very basic, primary, first element that God defined. That's where the enemy's going to start. He's going to begin to peddle the lie. He's going to begin to try and make sure that people are in a state of confusion all the time. And the reason why the word is so powerful and the reason why it's going to stand as the world is left burning behind, the reason it's going to last forever is because God's word is true. And if we will release the word, if we will allow God's word to counter human effort, engineering, and plan, then I tell you what, you you get to stand with the word of God. Heaven and earth might pass away, but his word will not. You get to allow that to become a framework for your faith because God is in the active role and goal of defining. He's refining. He's separating. God is a God of separation. He separates the sheep from the goats. He separates the good fish from the bad fish. He separates the wheat from the tares. He's, he's just always active. He's saying, oh, this goes here and that goes there. He, he's just the God. He's not confused. He's not questioning. He's not wondering. He said, I, I, no, I'm the God of definition. I'm not the God of question. Every time that God had a, asked a question in the word of God, it's because he already had the answer, but he just had to make us think about it to get it for ourselves. God already knows the wheat and the tares. He said, let them grow together. The reason was because he said, if you try and tear up the tares, then you're going to take some wheat with it. And every single grain is precious in the mind of God. He said, gather, gather the harvest. He said, let, let, the, let the tear grow along with the wheat. Let both grow together until the harvest. But in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat 
into my barn. There was a separation that occurred. There was a distinction. God said, I will separate it. You may not be able to tell right now. You may be confused as to what's what. But he said, I will separate the wheat from the tares. I'm going to separate the good from the bad. I'm going I'm to separate the full from the empty. It's significant because in ancient Israel, there were seven feasts that were celebrated. But of those seven, three were specifically centered around harvest. The first feast I want to mention is the Feast of Passover. It occurred sometime between March and April. Of course, we're dealing with the Jewish calendar, and, and so some, somewhere in there, Passover occurs, and, and it is about the, the Feast of Barley, the harvest of barley. The third feast, we'll skip the second. We don't have time to go through seven feasts and explain them all, but the third feast was the Feast of Pentecost that happened in May to June. It was, it was to celebrate and recognize the harvest of wheat. The seventh feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, happened in September, October. It recognized and was significant of the Feast of Grapes, the vintage, the harvest. And all those fruits were connected to these feasts. You know, we, we know that harvest needs to be planted. That's a priority. We know that they need to be reaped and harvested. And if you looked at how each of these were harvested, in order for them to become useful, they had to undergo transformation. Barley, it's soft. It separates easily from the husk, and, and often it was just able to be winnowed, and the husk would be carried away, and the, the barley would drop down to the ground. The Feast of Grapes, or the Feast of Tabernacles, those grapes, we, we know a little bit about those grapes. They're, they're trodden in a wine press. And, you know, I, I don't know how many years I sang the song, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of He is trampling out the vintage. Never had a sweet clue what that was. You know, you're just a little kid look, reading the songbook, trampling out the vintage where the... Vintage is a new word. Vintage talks about old things that people want now. Like, I don't even know where to start. Vintage clothes washers, you know, those glass... Never used one in my life. I, I, I got one one day out of my grandmother's shed. I mean, it was the real deal. It wasn't just the, for decoration only. It, was, it, was, it had been used. As a matter of fact, there was still soap all through it. Somebody did some work. That, that was like a vintage clothes washer. What's the word I'm looking for? What do you call those? Not even a ringer washer. The, I mean, the, like the, the wooden frame. The What? I'm either going deaf or y'all just blah, blah, blah. the masks. <laughs> this is what you're saying. <laughs> Will someone please haul your mask off long enough to tell me? Washboard, yes. <laughs> Thank you. And some of those folks that just turned 90 this week are saying, these young'uns, what are we going to do with them? 
We celebrate that with you, Sister Esty. You know what a washboard is. Yeah, you could have hauled that mask down and said, and I'll show you how to use one. <laughs> vintage, old, old stuff. But vintage refers to grapes that were trodden in a wine press and as they were trampled down from the bottom of the vat, the fruit juice would begin to flow. Those two harvests could only be reaped when they were broken. The wheat also had a requirement. The wheat was a little bit different. The wheat had to be crushed. As a matter of fact, the picture behind me on the screen, if you'll take a, a moment to notice, it's, it's a winnowing fork there next to the pile of grain that's been gathered. And you'll notice that there's a little sled type instrument. If you were to look up the word trillium, tribulum, sorry, in Google, you would find that this, a picture of a sled with rocks on the bottom would show up. It would be a, a sled kind of thing, and, and it would be pulled around on the threshing floor. And what would happen was because the wheat was so hard, the wheat, the wheat in order for it to become useful, and in order for it to become perp uh, reveal its purpose and release its purpose, it had to be broken. It had to be separated. It had to be separated from that hard husk. And, and in order for that to happen, what they would do was they would get a donkey hooked up to the tribulum and, and they would allow this sled to get pulled around in that circle on the threshing floor. And as it was pulled around in a circle on that threshing floor, it would break the grain up from its husk. You see, sometimes what God has to do in order to release what we are is he has to allow us to go in through the process of the tribulum. You see, God looks at the mess of our lives, but in, it's intertwined with everything that's happening around us and intertwined with our past and our hurt and our pain. and It's interconnected with some things in us that shouldn't be there. God says, I'm going to allow a little bit of tribulation. To come. I'm gonna allow, I'm gonna allow you to feel like you just got run over by a sled full of rocks. I'm gonna allow you to feel sometimes like like but what God's not intending on destroying you in that moment, but what God rather is doing is God is defining you in that moment. God is dividing something in you. He's allowing the good to come out of what is good and evil. He's allowing the light to show up. He's making that definition. He's saying, uh, I see what, 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 what there really is good inside of them, but right now I'm just going to allow a little bit of tribulation. That's what John 16, Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation. It's going to happen. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Sometimes God just allows a bit of tribulation to come into our lives, not to destroy us, but to define us. God allows tribulation to come into our life because he's trying to release what's there underneath that hard surface, underneath the hardness. God has a plan underneath all of that, that protection, that, that wall that you've erected and all you put together to protect yourself. God said, I'm going to knock that away because I see good in them. I see good in their life. I see good in their future. I know the plan that I have for them. But in order for that to happen, I've got to destroy all of that, that, that thing that
needs to be separated from them. So the bad news is sometimes we're going to go through tribulation. We're going to go through that season of the tribulum. Jesus told Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You see, the enemy wants to attack us, to destroy us. That wasn't where it ended, by the way, when the wheat was thrashed and crushed by that tribulum on the threshing floor. After that, that winnowing fork would be throwing the wheat. They called it a fan. That's why John the Baptist said, whose fan is in his hand. It wasn't a fan like... It was that fork that he said he would lift into the air and the chaff would blow away, but the wheat would fall to the ground. But even then it wasn't completed because the wheat that fell to the ground, you can imagine the threshing floor. If you just drug a sled with rocks around on it, it wasn't a perfect environment, but they would allow the wheat then to go through this process of sifting, separating. Dividing. Anyone ever sifted sand? Anyone, I, 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 we worked with Buster Grant, so I, I knew a little bit about sifting sand. I think I may have told the story about having to sift my whole backyard before. Did I ever tell you guys that story? Did, did I show you the video of the sifter that I built? Now, this is a little bit of red, green, and MacGyver all mixed in together. But these work boots are mine. And if anybody thinks this is a really good idea, I'm going to patent the idea. But take a, take a look. I, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I built this little framework. And in the middle of that frame, I've got this screen, chicken wire. But since I had to move the whole backyard due to insurance, they wanted me to fill a hole in. Well, I only have four feet on each side of my lot. Can't get. Dump truck through four feet, P.S. So I thought, well, I have a high spot over there, a low spot over there. They said I had to fill in this low spot because we, we got water one time, 2010, December the 13th. Never mind that it rained 52 millimeters in about an hour and a half. No, I want you to fill that hole in because we think that hole. I said, that's the original ground level. It has the grass. That's, that's not the problem. They said, no, fill the hole in. I said, okay, I'm going to move half my backyard. And if I'm moving half my backyard, I thought I may as well sift it while I'm at it because then I won't have to rake it when I'm done. You may want to dim the lights for this. Yeah. Yeah. Wait for it. Master craft sip saw. God may knock me down for a spirit of pride. I remember shows Cindy Asher that video because she works at Canadian Tire. And I think then she warned the entire staff at Canadian Tire on Two Nations Crossing that if I return, 
a Mastercraft reciprocating saw not to take it back. <laughs> that sifting, that separating that occurs. You see, I knew that if I just did that work then, then later I'd have good product to work with. That happens in your life too. We can come back to the music this morning. You see, we will have tribulation in this world. But again, it's not to destroy us. It's to define the good in you. You see, that's not where the verse ends in Luke chapter 22. Jesus just didn't leave Peter hanging. Uh, Peter sings after you, just, just wanted to let you know that. Because Peter, like you and like me, Far too often we have the ability to see the inadequacy and the inability in ourselves. And if the enemy's coming looking, he's got lots to find in you and he's got lots to find in me. He's the accuser of the brethren, so he carries a great list of all your failings, falls, He's the tempter, so he tempts you. And the minute you take the bait, all of a sudden he says, I've got another item on my list for accusation. And you, like me, we have that list in our mind of the wrong, the error. Let's call it what it is, this sin. And so we know Satan, when he sifts, he wants to sift us as we. We know in our minds we begin to, to play that dreadful game of defeat. If I'm sifted, then what's going to be left? Am I the empty tear? Am I the worthless shell? I don't have anything inside worth keeping? Is that me this morning? Is that my life? Is that, is that the product of all my effort? Is that the product of all my strength to stay? Is that, is that what all that's going to be left if I'm sifted as wheat? If at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just the part that gets thrown into the fire? Is that me this morning? But that's not where Jesus left Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen your brethren. Jesus was saying, Simon, I know. I know how impetuous you are. I know your ability to step out on that sea, but then let doubt overcome. I know we, we've all seen Peter's failures. Peter, you're going to deny him three times. The crow's going to call out your wrongdoing. 
But in that moment, don't quit because I'm not finished with you, Peter. I'm not complete. That's, that's taking a part of you off. It's not to defeat you. I'm defining the good. I'm separating the darkness from the light. I'm separating the good from the evil. I'm allowing that tribulation to come into your life because I'm knocking some things away because I have a plan for you. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. So this morning, I came with just a simple word. The tribulation that you're walking through isn't to defeat you. 2020 is not here to destroy us. The pandemic isn't here to defeat us. It's to make us greater. It's to make us stronger. It's to release something in us that we haven't even seen yet because it's been hidden by the shell of impossibility. But God's saying, I'm breaking some things off so you can become what I called you to be. Can stand together with me but if you'll just lend me your ear James chapter 5 and verse 7 it says be patient therefore brethren unto the coming of the Lord behold the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it aren't you glad he's a patient God come on I know you have a mask on I know I don't but someone, thank God, he's patient with us. Someone thank God that tribulation didn't come to destroy us. Someone thank God that he's got a plan and a purpose bigger than anything we could have ever realized. I don't know why those four ladies in China are in jail right now. But here's what I do know. God's saying, ah, oh, watch what comes out of that tribulation. Ah, watch what happens when the product is released from the prison. Watch what happens when they come out of that jail. Enemy, what you meant for evil, I am meaning it for good. I'm not finished yet. Come on, hook back onto that for a minute. Someone pray. Someone pray for China. Someone pray that the product is greater than the problem. Oh, clap hands, all you people. We're coming in for a landing, but that doesn't mean we're finished. I wish someone would just begin to pray, God, whatever it is that you're doing in this season, however you're moving in this season, whatever work you're working in this season, don't do it without me. God, don't leave me behind. Put in me what you've got to put in me. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. That's what God says. Come on, touch not the unclean thing. Separate it from your life. Why? Because God's got a plan. Let it fall by the wayside. Get into prayer. Get into the word. Why? Because you're putting something in your spirit. And God's saying, that is what I'm going to use. He's got long patience for it until he receive it. The early and the latter rain. You're that harvest that God is waiting for. You're that harvest that God is searching for. You're that harvest that God says it's worth it.
It's worth taking the time. It's worth it. Let it grow with the tears. Yeah, but in the end, I've got a plan for it. I've got a purpose for it. I'm going to let it go through a little bit of tribulation. I'm going to let it go through a little bit of trouble. I'm going to have a little bit of trial along the way, but that's not to defeat you. I'm telling you that's so God can make you. I'm telling someone this morning, God's got a plan. Don't stop me process. Don't stop in the middle of the threshing floor. Don't get thrown into the fire when God wants you to be a part of the harvest of end time revival. Pray in the Holy Ghost. God's not finished this morning. I feel a conviction resting in the room right now. God just said, stop, pause, and pray. So would you stop, pause, and pray right now? If you're an apostolic believer, stop, pause, pray. Come on, human will, human intellect says the threshing floor is to defeat, the threshing floor is to destroy, but God says, uh uh, I got a plan for your life. I got a plan for your life. I've got purpose for you. I feel just. Come on, just like one more time, lift your hands. God's talking. It may not even be here in the room. It may be that God's just caused this pause so that he can touch someone. Let's watch him with us online right now. But if you're not praying for yourself, would you pray for someone? Come on, they're in the wine press right now. They sense that crushing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Pastor Jack, what's my part this morning? 
if we separate ourselves from things that we know can destroy us, then God can separate the things in us that we don't even realize are destroying us. That's why there's the call, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God still, in the active work of separation, dividing, declaring good, evil. But when we engage ourselves in that process with him, there is no telling what God can do in your life. The end of the story is that we get to be a part of the greatest harvest that God ever promised. It's difficult, it's tribulation to live in end time days. <laughs> but we also get to live in end time revival. I, I could literally run the aisle right now. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former, and the latter rain in the first month. Listen, and the floors, the threshing floor, shall be full of wheat, and the vats will overflow with wine and oil, and I will restore to you the year that the locust has eaten the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm my great army which I sent among you and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed come on in end time trouble and end time trial and in time tribulation, we've got the promise that God's got end time revival. The floors shall be full of wheat. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I, I, I want to be a part of that revival. I want to be a part of that promise. I want to be a part of that. I'm finished. But as we prepare to close our service, I wonder if there's something in your life that you need to identify the same way that God stepped back and he looked at everything on that first day said that's good and that's not you need to take a look at your life today and say that's good but that's not and if you go through the process of separation then God will go through the process of separation God's doing that work in your life today as we prepare to close in prayer, would you just allow the Holy Ghost to talk to you one more time? Jesus, you're working right now. Would, would you just pray for China one more time? I don't want to be in danger of not striking the ground enough times. I don't want to be in danger of not, come on, not praying until something happens, until we push until we break through that barrier. I, I felt it as a matter of fact, Pastor, when he paused, 
to say, I think we need to pray one more time for China. I had just finished writing the letter A on the end of China in my notes because I felt like we're not finished praying for that yet this morning. We're not. We prayed Friday night one time. We prayed Friday night two times. We prayed Sunday morning three times. We prayed Sunday morning four times. I, I don't want to be guilty of stopping before we pray through until we break through. I, I think we can just give it one more shot before we leave because it may just be the reminder that breaks through into revival somewhere on the other side of the world right now. So I wish you pray. Come on. Lift one more prayer for Pastor Jason. Lift one more prayer for New Life Fellowship. Lift one more prayer. God, whatever that jail cell looks like right now, I pray that it would fill with your presence, that it would fill with your power, God. I pray that you would turn the hearts of leaders. I pray that you would turn the hearts of people that think they're in control, but we know that you are in control. They may hold the keys to the door, but God, you hold the keys to the door of the kingdom. So whatever you're doing, God, in this season, accomplish it. God, let the purpose be complete, I pray. Someone shout in Jesus' name.